What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, a victory Monday. We will recap the win of the regular season finale that was yesterday in, in which we were in attendance for. We will also bring you guys some news that came out today, a couple of awards to that for two of our guys, as well as a full confirmation of the seating chart. We will dive into first the typical stuff, takeaways from yesterday's game, what everything looks like, what happened in the, in the games yesterday to play everything out because we have a bracket. We'll get our first impressions of that. We do have a regular season champion. Everything is played out to the finality for this upcoming weekend. We will also give you guys our final award picks of our predictions or all our opinions that will come out on Wednesday that will bring you guys fully officially what they are when we do our preview on Wednesday. I'm Nick Melandro by Noah Lurch and Noah. It's it's the best time of the year now that the regular season's officially over. Uh, you know, we 22 and 9, 14 and 6. We talked about what the 14 wins could have been so far. And we were kind of uh treading water, I guess you could say, throughout when we were watching our game and knowing what else was going around the league. But overall, it was an amazing trip we made. I'm so glad we did it here the last couple of days. We'll dive into that with everything else, like I said, everything with the awards, all of it. What's going on? Yeah, definitely was a great trip. Uh, great seeing SIU alumni fill that place up. It was like a home game. Um, the SIU chance, uh, actually be able to see it courtside, seeing guys up close and personal, and uh, just getting back together some Slukey fans I talked to um, every day almost. So it was a great time. Good, good way to close out the season. Um, got to see Lance back involved. Then after the game, uh, Lance and Marcus coming over, got to talk to them for a second, congratulate them on the win. Then um, even got to talk to Riley Horstead for a minute. Yeah, it was good to dap those guys up when they came over. They were, you know, Typical wins, and definitely at home, they'd be looking for dog pound. And because we were, which I guess we should say, you know, we got $20 tickets, found out we were sitting on the court. We know that place doesn't fill out. You said, yeah, Silky alumni were filling it up mostly. Uh, I think it was like 41% filled at the end of it of capacity. And we're able to sit uh, courtside, got to move up one row and have the time of our lives, honestly. It's one of the funnest games, most fun games we've been to. At a, at a away game of any sort we knew coming in. Like I said, we haven't had much success watching them, but we did have success in this game. Like I said, it was a little dicey. Shout out to UIC. Uh, but, yeah, dapped, dapped some people up, heckled, you know, throughout the game. Just typical stuff you would expect. You're right, with some alumni we were doing it all with. It was just an awesome trip, and uh, you're right. And they came over to us. That them up. We said we'll see you at 830 sharp on Friday. So it was all fun. We'll dive into it again. Here when we get into the preview, but no, let's kick off with that seating chart news that you just fully told me about of what came out of the picture that you saw. We kind of addressed it on the preview on Saturday night about what sections we were in, and we obviously went off of, well, that's where we're sitting. That's where all Saluki fans are sitting, and it appears, thankfully, that's not the case. Obviously, for our sake, in terms of assigned seating, it's weird how it's even the case. But luckily, we got one of the biggest sections. Dive into how all that looks for every team, especially us. Yeah, we definitely talked about it um, last podcast about how we thought we'd be in the same sections as last year. Well, that's the case for some Saluki fans I've already talked to that were up there in the same spot, but apparently that's Missouri State's section according to the official um, seating chart. SIU is in 104, 105, 106 like we talked about, but they're down lower. Then it's in between Missouri State and SIU, it's Indiana State. So they've grouped three teams apiece in each and three sections all the way around. And it's just really – I'm really confused by it. Um, I know Missouri State don't bring fans. Um, I wish they would have probably put like a – maybe a Belmont in between us because in that case, SIU would fill up the whole 104, 105, 106 because – Belmont won't bring very many fans. Indiana, Indiana State's going to bring some fans, and it just sucks. We're going to be jammed in between. It's just hopefully this is a mistake, but I don't think it is. It's just weird. Back-to-back – last year we it was weird as well. It was just terrible whoever gave the Thursday teams bigger sections. But we have a 
one of the biggest sections, but somehow we're up up top again. It makes no sense. I'm confused by it. Yeah, and we're trying to just picture how it looks and you know inside, and we'll see it in person. We might actually tweak these out because as much as we explain it, people will probably wonder what it looks like. So we'll try to get this out to you guys. Maybe tweet it so you guys have a. A, you know, a, a look at actually what we're talking about. But yeah, I mean, it's good to have the big section. You know, we talked about how it's by ticket sales and we knew and they, you know, Indiana State has sold all of their allotment of tickets and we knew all the all that stuff prior. It's weird how they're, you're right. It, it does seem like it would be a mistake from that standpoint. The only thing is they actually did it off of like caliber of team. So UIC Valpo sitting at the very top on one side on the other side, it is Missouri State who's, the six seed, but still, uh, yeah, doesn't have the best fan base. And Evansville is next to them up top. And then in between, yeah, it's the Belmonts, Indiana States. Indiana State has a way better fan base than Belmont. And then on the other side in the middle, it's Illinois State, who usually has a big crowd. And you and I, who has a big crowd. And yeah, Bradley, uh, Drake, and Murray having the other big sides. I mean, off of that, and that's what we said, like, how, I'm not sure how they could have managed doing it based off of just where you finish in the standings, where you're picked preseason is all about that. So it does seem like. It's totally flip-flop what we thought, so it's kind of in our favors, but we weren't expecting it, so it does seem like it could be a mistake. And, again, we'll tweet this out, and we'll have a, a good idea of how it all looks on Thursday whenever all of the team's fans, most of them are in attendance, especially, the obviously, the ones that are playing. And then, you know, we noticed also this corporate sponsored section, the 116 and 103, about center court on both sides, which is a huge section, and then there's team VIP sections, so... Obviously, that's families and stuff, but the corporate sponsor ones, I don't think we've seen before, as we talked about before we got on here. And we know on the sides, it's like neutral fans or other fan bases um, that sit in those kind of seats that they propel down. So it's definitely interesting. Uh, but again, it's it's good to it's good to know that it's kind of against what we initially thought. But again, when we first see it initially, I guess we'll see how it all plays out. But it is good to have a big side. We'll just have to move around and see what happens. Hopefully that all can work out. So that's a good sign. But yeah, different right now. I mean, it has, you know, us in a section, someone else we know in a section, but it has other SAU fans in that exact section. So it's like, how can you, I guess, and we, then you mentioned to me earlier about maybe some people we know that are, that do have that assigned section and that maybe our season ticket holders compared to people who buy it straight up and they give you an estimated section compared to what it is. Isn't that probably the difference you think? Yeah, I know, I know a season ticket holder that's in 105, but he's in row J. Um, I know another guy that's in row P. Um, then we're in double E, and I know another guy in double G. So that's all the way up from 105. So I don't know. They're mixing up fan bases now. I don't know if they took into account. Um, we're going to probably be playing Missouri State on Friday night, so we're just going to be sitting in between their fans too. So. It's just really – I hope this is a mistake, honestly, that they've mixed up some teams here. But um, if it is, um, I mean, like I said, I'll be finding somewhere else to sit. I won't be probably sitting in between Missouri State fans while we're playing. No, and even we – you know, last year that's exactly – we were up there and Drake was right below us, and we didn't sit up there when our game was going on, but I couldn't imagine what other SIU fans – we mentioned on the last one how Drake's fan base was kind of, you know – rubbing everybody on that side you side the wrong way for no reason so yeah you get all that in between which you want them on opposite sides of one another so i guess last second of what the seeds are you you don't have it exactly planned out and that way but yeah we won't be sitting to where that's an issue we'll, we'll find somewhere to sit. like i said we didn't sit in the ones last year if we lose in the rest of the weekend then we we'll might sit up on our seats or any you know obviously siu section seats all depending so wanted to get that out to you guys talk about it of the official one, like I said, we'll probably tweet it out so you guys can get an idea if, if nobody know you know knows where to get it or something to be easy accessible if we post it. So we might do that after we're done here. So one of the one of the start off with that, Noah. Let's talk about some awards that happened recently around the valley. Some important ones before the you know the, the official season ones come out on Wednesday, and it was led by Marcus who got his back to back second straight NBC Scholar Athlete of the Year honors. That is with a 3.99 GPA in sport administration. Um, you know, obviously it's a big honor. His dad was posting about it. it's the highest honor that had, you know, that his parents are proud of him. Back-to-back years, you know, 3.99. I can I say all the time because we see it posted a lot. I was in sports administration. It's it's in that kind of field if you're 
if you enjoy it, you know, that's someone like me compared to Marcus who has professional opportunities and can play basketball for a long time. You want to have a backup plan as you should. And, you know, so it's, you know, speaking from experience, it is kind of an easier degree from what I obviously remember from graduating five years ago that it's easy to do. I know Marcus definitely is smart and could work it that way. 3.99 must be clearly the highest in the league if he has the absolute top honor. I mean, Noah Trent Brown was on a team also. He was on the second team with a 3.91 GPA in finance, which is, we know is very, very difficult to what he had to go through to get that to this point. And they were they're posting other teams around the league. Um, and obviously, yeah, first, second, and third team. But, no, it's cool to see Marcus back-to-back. It shows not only his play on the court, his play off the court with a, almost a 4.0. Very impressive, Noah, your thoughts on that. And that could be one of the biggest uh, awards in Marcus's career, beginning of back-to-back years. So, look back on this, especially, you would like to think, and then dive into another Saluki and his award this week. Yeah, it's a big accomplishment for Marcus. Um, we know this that Brian and his staff take a lot of pride in um, the academics here. Um, can't wait to uh, see what the team GPA is for the spring semester. Hopefully, um, I doubt it's up there with the COVID that COVID teams GPA, but um, a lot of guys that take school seriously, and that's a good thing. I know it's in uh Brian's contracts if certain GPAs he gets extra money so this team's definitely going to hit that for him so put a little extra money in his pocket um, then the other award we knew is we thought we thought we might see this um, could have been Marcus as well but Lance Jones named player of the week so um, big time awards today hopefully it's it's not the only awards these two receive um, this week but player of the week for Lance um, great bounce back for him, the stuff he's been going through fighting those demons. And this is just great, great to see for him. Yeah, his second of his career. I remember saying on the preview that if one of these guys, him or Marcus, got over 20 points in this next game, that one of them would probably get it if they were taking the last two games into account. And that's exactly what Lance Dibble dive into his game, but he did end up 23 and a half points, three and a half assists, three rebounds. And we know he has had that small chip on his shoulder with everything he's been going through to play it, play like it. And obviously uh, coming back into Chicago, it, he definitely would have had that extra oomph in his step. So definitely we'll, like I said, we'll dive into Lance's game that had him earning that uh, player of the week. And that's what we'll do now. Now let's talk about this game. We mentioned how it was fun when we stayed, we got into the city, went to a bar that Suzuki alumni were at, had some lunch and then went over we like UIC's location. They're, we talk about the sky, you know, the skyline of Chicago right next to it. They have a nice arena, Credit Union One Arena. Um, you know, it's on the smaller side, but there was, you know, where the people were sitting up there, there was a blue section up top, and then obviously the red section below. It's honestly perfect size for maybe Valley play, and they're never going to sell it out, which is unfortunate. Maybe they will one of these days if they continue to play in the league with a young team and to grow but that was fun and like I said we were sitting courtside and got to enjoy it and Noah that's diving into this game I mean I guess you know nudging out takeaways of it of definitely of the first half but it, it was it was not a good offensive star for both teams uh they Trey Anderson had a three to get I'm not even looking at it yet but Trey Anderson I know got got a three to kick off and you know let's talk about Marcus himself in this game because we knew he had been playing really well up to this point and I, I can't lie. I feel like this is a game where it's – maybe it's not the case, but he did get 23 shots up. Noah, he didn't, and you can dive into how we started from the field. He It seemed like he was pressing and forcing. We know Okani and Jace Carter are incredible defenders on the other side. Did he seem like a little bit more aggressive than he usually is, whether that's on, uh, you know, uh, isolations, or he would seem like every time they got to him or got it to him, he was always looking to do it, and he always is, but he always seems a little – passive a little bit he and he had some awesome passes in this game but did he feel like maybe he was a little bit more aggressive obviously that led to like I said the start that you could say he had from the field and obviously what he ended up shooting will take a game like that from Marcus any day of the week win or loss yeah definitely I think I mean starting 0 of 7 from the field um just really really I mean getting decent looks just not be able to finish um it's frustrating. I know he had a couple of fadeaways blocked by Jace Carter in this one. Took 23 field goal attempts, but only made seven of them. 
I just still find it hard to believe that a guy that besides maybe he shot three, three, so 20 other shots. And I think one was a pull up at the end of a shot clock for a mid range. So 19 other shots and a, and a player, of the player of the year type guy only shoots one free throw in a game. Um, we know we were on the court, on the court and talking to officials and it's just kind of mind blowing for a guy like that. If it's anybody else, uh, Tucker DeVries, Ben Shepard, um, Bowen Bourne, they're shooting 10 free throws a game almost sometimes. So it's still mind blowing, but yeah, I mean, he just got off to a slow start. I mean, both teams kind of did. It was back and forth. They, we trailed for most of that first half, but, um, went back and forth a while, but yeah, just a slow start. Um, but after, after so long, he finally got a little bit going, but it was just a tough day shooting for him and finishing around the rim because there was contact and shooting over guys like Okani with length or Scoball sometimes when they had him on him. Yeah, and just the fact – that's a, I love the point you made with how can he shoot one free throw. He finished an and one, and, yeah, 20 shots inside the three-point arc, yes. I mean, it, it is crazy. We talked about how he barely shot in the at Illinois State and he had 32 points, and it's like – I feel like this – that game was physical. This game was extra physical. Marcus was diving on the court. A lot of guys were in this game, but Marcus was, you know, when he was getting stolen from him, he had more, um, you know, turnover. He only had uh, he had two turnovers in the game, but I think both of them were on just getting stripped again, and that was, you know, thanks to Okani, and he was just a freak like that. He had a career high in rebounds, Okani did, but it was tough on him. And like I said, diving on the floor, Marcus, he definitely got banged up after this one, it was safe to say. So he was just feeling it all around, and you're right, especially, you know, even if it's on the road against a team like that, and the team that we've been and the player that he is exactly, he should be getting a lot more calls. And he was getting some lucky rolls in the second half to help get his percentage and his points up a little bit more. But 36 minutes, you know, he got the proper breaks, you know, throughout the game as well when we were winning a little bit. And then, by you know, first and second half. And you're right, they were they were leading a lot in this first half. Um, but throughout, Noah, and one of the biggest parts of this first half, and we knew it as soon as, he was playing, and we called it. We were sitting there and saying, wonderful play in the second half. And he didn't. But, Noah, the time that Foster Wonders put up in this first half was, again, it was, you know, tweeted, lo and behold, he comes in and he and he's productive. Noah, they they were looking to get him shots. That's what happens every time he's in. Heck, whenever Marcus, you know, we last time Foster played with the main guys, Marcus was pressing off to try to find him. But you could you could see even X was pointing at Foster to or pointing you know looking at Marcus pointing at Foster to find him on the corner. They were setting screens, player screens a little bit to get him open, drawing up some plays. No one. He went two for three, and yeah, I mean it just shows. UIC had some breakdowns. They had kind of a a, a matchup zone at times on on one end of the floor, definitely in the first half. And Noah Foster found some room and made it. And it just shows he can swing a game. As you said, we were kind of we were losing in the first half. That kept us in it per se, whenever we couldn't get stops on them on one end. I'm mean, going to know, again, I feel like every time I segue to you talking about him, and we clearly know about what Foster can do, he, he shows his production. But especially since we talked about the body language, I and mean, he's fine, he's still involved with the team and stuff. It's not like he's like totally clocking out. You can see it at times, and when he gets his chance, he's going to make the most of it as he should. And no, again, that's, that's six points that were vital over the course of this first half. Yeah, I mean, just – we see it every time it's either him or Scotty. We want to see them play more and they come in and they just do positive things. And we just, at this point, what else can we say? And I just don't know what else Brian and the staff needs to see to get these guys on the floor. I mean, a guy and we, and you, you said it when he came out, um, hopefully we see him the second half. I just turned to you and said, you probably won't because that's what happens with the staff. Uh, six points is a swing that is what you're going to need in three days. If you want to play three games in three days this coming week, and hopefully Brian's seen that, that maybe he can trust him a little bit more. Um, his defense was decent. I mean, they switch everything. So he didn't get, he didn't get beat back door. He didn't have any defensive breakdown. So I mean, going to a three, that's big time. Even Trent Brown spacing the floor hits a three, another three in this one. So, um, just nine points, those two giving you when your two stars scored 20 points, but they shot seven of 20 from the field um, for 
like 35% if I do the math in my head correctly. So just bad. If those two are struggling to score, there's guys that if they draw attention, there's shooters like Foster and Trent um, that can knock them down. We just need to see him get more opportunities. Yeah, and again, when we see him and Scotty both come in, I guess Scotty because he's more entrenched in like a part of a defensive play being the center compared to Foster who can play off the ball, that Scotty can be a little bit thrown in the fire of certain aspects to where he can look bad off just a defensive error of some kind just because he's in the moment and have to defend it, even though he's good at it a lot of the time. Foster, like I said, off-ball defense, and when he's shooting, he'll you really can never think of a negative that he had in a game ever. Like when he's in, because he's not because he's not in there long, but it's because he he does everything when he's out there positively. You can never find a negative, and that's always the case. We've said that before. So definitely vital points you had at first. Have you mentioned Trent? I mean, yeah, both of them. If they're both in the rotation, that is threes that have been vitally needed over the course of the season to even make us better than what we've been. We talked about that's one of the the biggest, maybe the biggest. We talked about tons of things, rebounding and. Uh, scoring in general, but definitely three-point shooting. And we'll have a topic on the preview about if that – it will matter at Arch Madness, but we'll talk about, obviously, the impact of the gymnasium there at Enterprise Center compared to typical arenas potentially and if that can benefit you or not. But just the fact that you know it can and it's going to still play a factor and you're going to need, as you said, yeah, you're going to – in three days you're going to need a guy that can do that for you to swing a game. Cause again, if, if the potential matchup is there, we'll have to match them in that regard. We've seen them twice. We know what they can do. So it is vital. Trent did have eight points in this one, had two threes himself. He, he uh, shot a couple in the corner where we were standing. I don't know if he made them. I remember some, he missed Juwan. only had one field goal in this game in uh, 20 minutes. Obviously still need more from him in that regard. He was, he was fine on defense, fine in the game. Just need more than three shot attempts they're all from three it's really all he's been shooting and making he did have a couple free throws near the end but he had a three we were dapping him up um in the corner told him to keep shooting just just keep going and then he did hit one that had the shooters touch on it that rolled in for him and i mean x wasn't the best in this game either i guess defensively wise he, he didn't even have a steal on this one though in 22 minutes he kind of got benched at the end for dalton and oh let's dive into dalton he only scored two points he was one of five from the field but he did have five assists, four rebounds, three steals, and only 19 minutes. But one of the biggest parts of the game was saving two possessions, diving on the floor with Floorburn you written all over him, saving two possessions that led to points on the led to free throws on one of them that uh, Troy or uh, Jawan had that made that uh, he made them both as I said, and then another one that led to a Troy and one in which he finished. So no, we talked about it. I mean, it's already known. We both agreed Dalton was the dog of the game in this one. It was because of those plays. He was incredible without even needing the score, really. Yeah, this is what we're going to need from Dalton Banks. Coming in, um, he struggled shooting just like most of the team did. Ended up shooting about just just under 36% as a team. But him coming in, making these plays, him, his defensive, defense ability, be able to come in and guard um, – he can switch on to some bigger guys as well because he's stockier kid. Just, I mean, for re- rebounding ability, as, be able to make plays, assisting in the defensive end, and not be able to fail the dive on the floor because just hustle plays is what we're going to be need in this tournament, and that's what he did. I mean, there was this one he dove on the floor where it was he poked it away, and Jace Carter just was just kind of walking towards it and going to let it go out of bounds, and Dalton. Um, dies on the floor, and I think this was the uh, the Troy Ann one you talked about. So, just those types of plays is it's gonna what it's gonna take this Friday, starting this Friday. So, just big time play, yes, dog of the game for sure. And you're right, he out and he out hustled Jay. So the first steal he made, where he saved it, didn't even know how. Like you watched on TV, we both watched it back. It's like how he you know batted it from behind off his off his dive to keep it in to to have it go the other way. It's just the kind of effort that you said we need from him, especially coming off the bench against the teams we're going to play. But just the fact that we recall last year, he was kind of, you know, in the tournament, he was, he had, a, he had turnovers that forced him out of the game that honestly cost us throughout that Drake game. And I, I would hope that obviously, you know, he's, he, he learned from that and he can take this effort into that to where he can have those to benefit us and not hurt us like he did last year. It's definitely a learning experience for him. 
And I'd say that's definitely, uh, you know, like I said, what he learned and what he can take from this game into it. And just it's awesome effort that he he did show that, again, led to impact points and buckets on the other end to help us in this cause of a game where UIC was tough. Like I said, defensive breakdowns, Jace Carter was awesome in this game. Um, we'll dive into it. That's really all from there. JD played seven minutes, didn't do a whole lot, uh, did rebound a little bit. Clarence had a score. That was one of our first scores off of offensive rebound put back. He only played 10 minutes. He did have a steal, and he did have one that he had down low that the guy tried to find him, and Okani blocked it. Or, or no, he got fouled. Sorry, he missed both free throws. Okani, I'm thinking of a different block uh, that he had on Troy. But that just shows you, again, we, we kind of thought it was going to hurt us at the end whenever UIC was going big and we were stubborn small. There were some points, which I don't can't even recall off the top of my head how many times we saw Marcus at the five. Maybe at the very start of the year. It's been a long time. Usually it's been Troy or it's an, had a big out there with him. But it was Marcus at the five sometimes, so we were thinking that it maybe would have screwed us, and uh, luckily it wasn't the case. And then throughout most of the game, uh, you know, it was it was dicey up until Jace made a couple threes. He was he was pointing towards the guys we were sitting with that were giving him heck all game. So you just love that kind of uh, you know whatever throughout a game. And then no other points whenever we got crucial baskets when Marcus kind of got going and kind of kept us above the lead. Jace made a couple threes, as I said, they cut it to one at one point. Uh, and no, or I think it was like 14 seconds left in the game, uh, which Lance had a couple layups before that clutch layups before this, but Noah, he made a couple free throws that kind of iced the game. They went down and got a three looking to tie and 14 seconds left. Noah, I mean, that's crucial. I mean, Lance has improved. That's one of the things he's done really well. I actually looked, he's actually hasn't turned it over as much as he did last year, which seems like a surprise, but he also been awesome at the free throw line and Noah he had probably two of the clutches this season clearly we'll talk about other games that played out that you know we still would have gotten a buy more than likely but obviously you don't want to lose a game to this team no matter what but Noah he had two of the biggest free throws of the season and if we could find some over the course of his career I don't want to be too whatever some of the biggest of his career in terms of in the moment and knowing how important seating is going in the tournament Lance was awesome he earned like I said that player of the week and he earned the leading 19 in this game, but no, he was clutched down the stretch. Yeah, this is the Lance Jones we need. We need that guy that um, if Marcus is struggling, he can get it done, and that's what he did on this one. So got to the line, be able to knock him down, 5 of 17, was 12 of 17. Um, but he just did a lot of everything for us, 19 points, four rebounds, three assists, did have two steals to go with that. So just Lance bouncing back, big – Big week for him to bounce back. Um, hopefully he can continue it rolling um, into Arch Madness because without him, um, we're not going to get out of Friday. So big-time performance. Hopefully he can keep it rolling. It was good to see him after the game in pretty good spirits. Um, seems like he's just enjoying it right now, not thinking about stuff. So uh, looks like he's got a clear head going into Arch Madness, and that's a good thing for this team. Yeah, and we've talked about the good and bad you get with Lance. Like, if he's on fire, you think he can get a little too confident and it can sway a game. And even, you know, when it comes to Friday night, we're going to need him to be aggressive regardless. Like I said, we'll take him and Marcus being aggressive over not. And you'll know Lance is always going to. It's if Marcus wouldn't. And if they're both aggressive, like I said, there are guys. This very well could be their final game in a uniform, an SIU uniform. So it's like, especially this weekend, don't go too far, and we'll talk about all this again when we preview it, but just knowing if they're aggressive, we'll ride or die with them and, and maybe their their final game. But, you know, knowing, you know, they're going to be smart with it, and I can see them both not just going all out. They're going to play in the flow of the game and everything. But, yeah, Lance needs to have that confidence because he was breaking guys up. He was breaking Jalen Jackson up, Trey Anderson up, quick guys to the rim in this game, finding openings and taking advantage of it. And we'll get into the matchup that we could potentially have. He very well could play those guys again. You know, we're not ruling that out completely, and we'll dive into this, the whatever. But just knowing that if he does everything, he's clearly one of the best players, and he's going to show why he's going to be on one of the teams on Wednesday. Uh, but, yeah, 100% we're going to need him in every facet that he did. Those were the main points of the game. Like I said, we we his clutchness, getting those big seven points at the end of the game, it's funny because he bricked a free throw to finish it and one before that. So we had like nine – key points in the last five minutes or so of that game, him and Marcus were leading the way 
in that regard. So he finished it. They didn't get a three to go. We mentioned how we were dapping him up. Chancellor Lane and Matt Kupek were sitting by us on the on court side. Just had a lot of fans around us. It was it was awesome. To, I mean, we shot thirty six percent in this game. They shot forty four. Uh, did was ten of twenty four from three forty two percent. It's not the worst. Free throw line missed five. Clarence missed two of those. We talked about. Uh, and then they out rebounded us. They or we had six offensive boards apiece. They had seven more defensive. Uh, they did have one more blocked in us, six to five. Uh, we did have seven steals in this game, and then had fifteen points off of their thirteen turnovers. And it, we barely won, but again, six turnovers in this game. We said keep it under ten, you're going to win a lot, and we barely won. Imagine losing when you only turn it over six times. That's when it feels like it's. And probable, and probable because the first game, we know we turned it over 21 and they shot 23 more times than us. So we know UIC is tough. They showed it. Uh, like I said, they weren't really getting behind any fans. They were just showing their, you know, there was one where Trey Anderson shot an early three, went right in the Jace Carter's lap. We were just watching kind of like the shot against SEMA. We watched it go right into the lap, give them an extra look and a chance. So that kind of kept them in it too. So obviously it wasn't a clean game, didn't shoot well, but but did get the job done so there are moments throughout that I want to say Brian had quotes after the game him and Lance did talk afterwards but it's okay well uh so it was Marcus's aggressiveness it was Foster coming in the first half to swing it Lance's clutchness at the end Dalton's four burn you uh tactics and then he was he did earn the dog of the game um now Noah let's we'll get into some stats here that Mike had before we can talk about the games here shortly uh, I mean, we'll have it whenever we recap this season. And I, I had it on here. I guess it would be putting on the spot, not necessarily us, because we know we'll talk about him and the season's not over. You're, you know, putting you on the spot in terms of your your impressions of this of this season with the 12 teams, how it played out. You know, you can dive into the aspect of that it wasn't good enough to because we're only going to get one uh, one lead or one team into the conference, whoever wins this tournament. Talk about the maybe the chances for break break that'd be interesting if you put that defense with that offense but drake and bradley with their net they would have the only chance and they're still not gonna it's still not gonna be enough uh maybe the the bid situation but overall no your your impressions on the on the first year of the 12 team lee you're obviously what the new teams did and just how the we talk about the parody good and bad this season your initial thoughts on how this whole regular season went for the first 12 league season yeah definitely Definitely enjoyed it. I mean, there was some really good basketball here and there. Just uh, even though UIC was really competitive, um, those two teams really dragged down the league. Um, and like we've talked about all season, they gave a lot of teams an automatic two wins, even though they were tough against UIC sometimes. And sometimes even Evansville, they gave a fight. Just really enjoyed it. I mean, the league's in good hands. We Potentially, um, uh, Jeff Jackson always talks about potential of adding more. They're not going to be done. So be interesting, but I think they'll be at 12 for at least a couple more seasons and get to see 12 teams and a arch madness getting um, the extra games is going to be even better. So I think it definitely was a success. I'm excited because you have two great programs in Murray State and Belmont. You added that showed that. One in Belmont, well, they're a top four team. They're in the top, and Murray State's not too far behind. They just threw basically a new team together this season. So, And UIC, I'm really excited about their future, their facilities, seeing that. And I really like Yaklich as a coach, and they've got a really young team. So they're just a couple of pieces away here in the year or so. They can be up here in the top of the league as well. So great, great additions, and it, it's it was a really excited season, and it's going to be even more exciting this weekend. Yeah, and, and people have been talking about even adding more teams. It seemed like I think the league is open to it. It's been talked about, but we know it's fine, the teams they are. Yeah, I think, yeah, UIC had some close battles, they, but they have talent. We like everything about the facilities that we saw in person now. The fact that it's in Chicago, we talk about the market and everything, but I think it's – and Yakuch knows the league so well, and I do think it's it's a perfect fit with them over time. And, I mean, that's exactly the epitome of what those other two teams are. They showed good signs, even Murray with, you know, even though with the rivalry with them, people talking about, you know, the rebuild that they've had. And, but 
Combs and on the league, they had whole new players. You know, they've scratched and clawed. They had a, some awful losses. They had some nice wins. Like, and Belmont was just consistent most of the way. They had their own lulls throughout a season. But, again, they 13 straight of 20 or more. There's only three teams in the country that have done that. So, perfect additions to this. And they made the perfect call on all of them. And I think, overall, yeah, the parity of it um, was good in a lot of games. You're right. You know, kind of gifted, you know, with Evansville involved overall definitely gifting you know teams two wins over the course of the season no matter if they were close or not so it definitely dragged it down that's how it was at the beginning when it was really close and we knew that's how how it was going to finish and we know we had our own uh points in these a lot of these games you know for us for wins and to escape with wins and obviously ones we ended up on the short end of the stick for it was just a overall a really fun league and it's always going to be that way when you add more things and yeah into this week and when you add more fans into it as well mainly all from one of the three, but again, you, you still get a tons more people showing up. So overall for the league, it was just perfect. And I think that's a perfect segue. We'll get to the stats and it's like a perfect segue, Noah, into what else happened on Sunday to finish out the regular season of how this conference season went, how fun it was dive into all of them. I would say it's safe to say to leave the best for last. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Missouri Valley did a really nice job um, separating all games. I know there was a couple one o'clock games. And we were one of them, but starting that Belmont um, Northern Iowa game at eleven thirty, Belmont goes on the road um, like we predicted, eighty three seventy five win for them. Um, Jacoby Gillespie, um, he's not going to win freshman of the year. I think that goes to his teammate, but he'll be on freshman team. I think really good twenty four points for him. Impressive win. This is probably. Them to win on the road when Ben Shepard's worst game, just give credit to uh, Titan Anderson for that one. But Bowen Bourne struggled in this one. Uh, Landon Wolf off the bench, career high for him, 21 points, 7 of 13 from the field. So tough loss to finish the year for you and I, but um, they are they were locked in their seat almost. I believe they got the eight. So big win for Belmont to finish the season with two straight, two straight wins of that comeback win, um, use, using that comeback win momentum to go on the road to that one. Missouri State going on the road to Indiana State, not expected. I knew it could be close, but thought Indiana State would win this one on senior day. But um, from what it, from what it, from what I heard, uh, maybe Josh Hurts rode the seniors too long. Um, Listen to Harry Schrader today on, on uh, March to the Arch, so maybe – Maybe rode those guys too long, and a just slow start um, kept them from winning this game. 66-62 for Missouri State. Kendall Moore led the way, 22 points, 14 points for Cooper Neese in his final game at the Holman Center. Um, Evansville went on the road to Illinois State, 72-53 win for the Redbirds. Um, Seneca Knight, 26 points. Strawbridge with 12 for the Aces. Then Valpo down takes a trip down to Murray State. Goes to overtime, probably should have won this one. Um, kind of a bad call at the end of overtime on Ben Cricky um, that put Brian Moore in the line to give the Racers a 77-76 win. Cricky had 24, DJ Burns 21 points. Um, really, really good win for Murray. Um, thought they, if Indiana State took care of business, we could be playing them potentially on Friday. That did not happen. Then the best for last, the championship game. Bradley wins the first regular season title um, since 1996. 73-61, Connor Hickman, 19 points. Really big game for him. Rink Mass had 12 points, 13 rebounds. Malevi Leon's 12 points. Um, then for Drake, had all starters scoring double figures, but two points off the bench ain't going to win you a lot of games. So um, I took Bradley in that one. I thought they would take care of a business at home, finish the year right. Um, it's just very scary playing Brian Wardle's teams down the stretch in February. Yeah, I would say congrats to them, but I guess as rivals and of people in the league, but definitely doing it for the first time in 27 years is impressive. And they had the writings on the wall for this game, get, getting it at home. And I remember saying, because I, I did have Drake in the game, and I remember saying, like, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't think they'd win by 10 or more. And obviously Bradley beat them by 12. I said, I would have been surprised if Drake went in there and did that, knowing Bradley 
you know, showing, I guess it's only against certain opponents and going into this game, they wanted to avenge how that first game went and knowing what was on the line that they just brought their A game more. You're right. I mean, even, you know, Tucker, three of 13, 11 points. Everybody in the starting lineup for Drake scored in double figures, but you're right, two bench points from Nate Ferguson. That's been one of the things of this season is how Drake's bench is going to be. And obviously it's led him to this point. It's been fine at times, but there's been a lot of games. We've mentioned how if Enright and Calhoun both score or get going a little bit, then they're unstoppable if they have that. And Enright, which he's not fully known for his scoring, he's known for his spot-up shooting. He was 0 for 1. 0 for 2 for the game, 25 minutes and didn't score. And then, yeah, Calhoun, 8 minutes, 0 for 3 and didn't score. So that was the name of it. They kind of Bradley wore them down with their depth. I mean, I guess, well, they had um, they had uh, 16 bench points, Bradley did, with three guys in double figures. And you're right, Hickman had the game of his life. Uh, I was trying to think of comps for him off the top of my head when I saw their highlight the post earlier, and he just reminds me of a Braden Norris type over the course. Now, only as a sophomore, that by the time he's a senior, will be – maybe not getting like, uh, you know, all league teams like Braden Norris said. He he could, though, the way he's playing, and we'll see if he's on some of our awards at the end of this and then on Wednesday for anything. But, yeah, just a, a solid game for them. They Every time Drake tried to, tried to go on a run, you know, whether it was close or at the end, Bradley just was there to match them, and they kind of just – and they kind of just took over in that regard. So, Bradley, first regular season of 27 years, but getting the trophy – the highly coveted regular season one, even though the the one that really definitely matters most in terms of your postseason hopes. They're Bradley's gonna play in a postseason no matter what happens to him this weekend. So they they've set themselves up incredibly. Drake to a certain point as well. We mentioned their net. Uh and then yeah, the end of that Murray game was unfortunate. So that's how it all diced out with uh the Belmont U and I game. I'm pretty sure it was talked about that Ben Ben Shepard was in foul trouble at the start and you and I couldn't really take advantage of that. Bowen Bourne played 30 minutes. Jacobson said today, we'll get this, maybe some other notes in the teleconference that uh, uh, he said that he was fine, but did play 30 minutes. He was kind of lingering a little bit, but uh, that is how everything played out, which by the way, we, we noticed because they just tweeted about it. It's come to our attention that Jawan Newton did hit thousand points in this, in the, in our game with his five points. I knew he was close. I looked a while back, knew that he could maybe get it this year. So with his five points getting to it, they finally just tweeted it. We talked about before we got, uh, just in terms of just talking about it in general, that of course they're late to the crowd and posting about it and finding out that official step making the edit and whatnot. So congrats to Juan Juan. We were calling them on the games, but we called them all year. And with that being said, now that all games are finalized and everybody has their final totals in the season, total record, conference record. Now, like I said, the biggest time of the year, and we'll get into a preview when it matters, but we'll dive into what the Initial bracket looks like, and just first impressions of it. We'll get our predictions on Wednesday, but your first impressions of how it all played out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for for us, um, I mean, a lot of SIU fans would have probably rather played a potential of Murray State than a Bradley than ending up with Missouri State and and Bradley. But I think to win this one, you're going to to win the win the tournament. You're going to play beat Bradley. At some point, I think any house or Drake, so might as well go through them both. Um, so it's I like it. I like the setup. I like the potential of maybe some teams getting getting a making a run, trying to. Um, I mean, starting with twelve o'clock on Thursday, you and I, the eight seed plays Illinois State, the nine seed. Love that matchup. Two teams that could potentially give Bradley a game. We know Illinois State played him played him tight both games pretty well. We know you and I's potential of they got a lot of shooters. So if they get comfortable in that gym on Thursday that potentially stay hot and maybe with an upset we've seen some you and I get upset as the one seed a lot here in the last recent years. So maybe it happened maybe they can be on the other other side of the table and upset Bradley. Then five seed Evan five seed Indiana State takes on Evansville. Not sure ex, not sure what to expect in this one. Um we know Evansville isn't really healthy, so expecting Indiana State to cruise in that one, be able to play Belmont um on Friday. Murray State Valpo get the rematch. We just saw an overtime game yesterday between these two. Expecting a really good one, 
probably um, expecting to see Ben Cricky have a real nice day. Almost landing them. We'll get to the we'll get to that on Wednesday. Then obviously the game we're watching most at eight thirty. Missouri State takes on UIC. Um, exciting game. I think that's going to be a really really good matchup. UIC's depth is the question there. Um, does Missouri State stay hot? Is also the other question. So excited to see that game at eight thirty. Hopefully we can um, see that game go to triple overtime for our sake, wear those guys down so we can take advantage of that on Friday night. But I like the matchups. It's not quite the setup exactly what we wanted. We're hoping Murray could slide up there, um, but that wasn't the case. So excited for it. Um, just glad, like we've been talking about, get to sit back and watch seven games before we have to worry about SIU's game. Exactly, and that's what we'll talk about again on Wednesday. Is that's what we wanted most because it makes for a more fun weekend whenever you – because we'll be there for all of them, and we'll be there on Thursday for the noon game, and it's going to be so much fun just watching, you know, just enjoying the environment, enjoying the just all the games. So there's going to be, you know, seven games played before – that we'll get to see before ours even hits, and that's what brings also the suspense – knowing whatever the heck plays out before that, the suspense getting up to ours and just knowing it's the final thing of the night, you get out of there past 10 o'clock and then you go do whatever, just the fact it's the last one. Because even if you got the four, I mean, all of these, I think there's there's makings for a lot of good games. I mean, that's what we can hope is great games and all. We don't want to see any blowouts. There's some that are going to happen. I think it's inevitable. There's some good Thursday matchups. And then, yeah, they can give fits to those teams with buys. I remember predicting that, Perhaps when Indiana State was sliding, that this could have been the four. It seemed like the best four all season was how it played out. And uh, the fact that, yeah, I mean, there, we're going to get in some matchups that teams could face that, you know, swept the other one of the team that's going to be favored. And it's definitely going to be fun to talk about and see who we pick. And we'll talk about, yeah, the road that we have. We could, we could narrow out some positives also with some negatives for our potential matchups, like I said, Wednesday, we will talk about those. So stay tuned for that. So initial first reactions make for hopefully a lot of good games. And it seems like with some of the matchups, that's how it's going to be. Uh, and we'll talk about the time frames, obviously, for we mentioned the noon start. Uh, but we'll get into the times again on Wednesday to discuss it as well. Um, we were on mid-major top 25 here by the end of the regular season of our regular season. Somehow we were still on it. We knew we struggled on the 22-9 and nine overall record. We got on the college insider top 25 finished out there uh real fast Noah gather what you know about I'll read off some of these stats and quickly gather what you know about maybe Kennard whether you have anything or not um we know he's been playing games and it's getting to the point we mentioned how we might see him this weekend but uh I did want to go to Mike and what he tweeted uh, Lance did break finally the thousand point mark for um uh, in uh, Missouri Valley Conference games. He cracked that. He's now third all the time. He's he's a lot behind Anthony Bean. He's going to, if this is it, he's only going to end up with third. He did crack that in 74 career games. Marcus is seventh with over 100 back. We know that sophomore season. Good to see them do that. Um, and then it's crazy seeing how Mike posted about the strength of schedule ratings. And out of everyone in the conference overall from last year, we were 311. This year, 266 in the country. That is... I didn't really count off the top of my head. It's about the middle of the pack in the league this year. This year, overall, 222nd, which is third to or fourth to last in the league, uh, which is never what you want to see. We talked about we probably have the best win this season against Oklahoma State, even though uh, they've been falling off a little bit. Texas A&M has actually found their way back into the top 25 when Murray beat them. Uh, so that's probably ended up being the best win now. But it's interesting to see this because we thought we had some good games on the docket this year. You know, UNLV fell off the face of the earth, thought that was going to be good if we could have had that win. Uh, but uh, obviously scheduling some of the teams we did, we did. So we'll talk about obviously all of that finalized at the end of the season on the on the, on the the recap. But I think player-wise, that's all uh, Mike had for us. You know, a quick canard update if you got anything on him. Usually, like I said, it's always slim. And I hate saying that or bringing it over to you if there is really nothing, but it, did you find anything on him? Yeah, we know district. We know postseason play starts in the state of Missouri this week. Uh, district play, they're in class four, district five. Um, 
they play they played the they play uh March first at five PM. Um so they get to kick off postseason play um this week on tomorrow night, five PM. They play uh Confluence Prep Academy. Um not a very good team, so expect them to roll there. Um so expecting them to roll pretty much pretty easily through their district to move on. So Interesting to see. We know that potentially that they have a state title. Um, that's what they're shooting for, and I think they can do it because this is a team that, with the way they're rolling, and with a guy like Kennard Davis leading them, they could go a long way. So exciting to see starting tomorrow at five. Um, we'll keep you guys. We'll remind you guys potentially um, that game may be over by the time we finish our podcast tomorrow night because um, we're we're previewing the whole tournament. So could be a little bit lengthier of one, but if not, if I can find an update while we're doing the pod, we'll do it towards the end probably tomorrow night. So postseason starts now. He's got a – they got a championship mindset right now. So they're rolling and they're going to continue, I think. Yes, they uh, surely. Hopefully, they do not lose. And good job on finding that about what the status of him. And we mentioned how maybe because we'll be near his backyard if he could show up. It's all wait and see. But if he wins and focuses on that, so be. We know he'll be keeping up with our tournament. Yeah, we will update that on the next one and throughout here, throughout the end of our season. Quickly for the G League dogs, uh, we mentioned Armand when he had that block the other night. He had twenty two minutes, four of seven shooting, eleven points with four rebounds, two assists, so he played well. And then previously, Cash played at two points. Wasn't his night that one. And then Kavion didn't play in the Nets' recent game with a uh, – said did not participate illness or injury. So keep an update on that. So those are the updates on those guys. Their season's going on. Long Island Nets and Kavion are rolling this season. Um, so now, Noah, with that all being said, we mentioned how we were going to have our – our final picks here before they come out on Wednesday. That's when we'll come to you guys next. They'll be. We mentioned how there might, may or may not be a luncheon that they always have. We were talking about people were talking about that on the possibility of that, but we knew they'll. Be, we know they'll be posted throughout the day on Wednesday, which is good, and we'll be interesting to see how that all plays out in picks. But Noah, from our own perspective, let's dive into what we think over the course of the season now. What could be, and hopefully we'll try to get them right, or just from our perspective what they are. So now let's start out. We'll go back and forth. I'll start it and we'll just go obviously from teams all the way down and kind of that patterned. So I'll start with the first team and then we'll, we'll pick a player of the year, which has been, an, was been an incredibly hard thing to do. Uh, first team, Noah, for me, I'll go with Ben Shepard, Tucker DeVries, Marcus. And th- these were the ones that, that made it tough. Um, I did have Ben Cricky on here because he led the league in scoring, you know, kind of, Make it, you know, trying to finalize these and trying to decide what it really uh, or what it really should be and how it might end up being. We were kind of leaning towards what it actually probably will be. And no, and I had rink math on here because he was, seemed like he's clearly, you could argue him a Malavi. You'll jump into that because it kind of seemed like that could have been the case all season. It seems like they're not going to leave someone off. And that's the thing, whether he wins it or not, they're not going to leave off, you know, a player off the top team just on the first team itself because obviously somebody had to be a big reason why they got there, even though the stats may not totally be there. No, there's my team, and I ended up choosing Ben Shepard as player of the year. Uh, before I hand it over to you, I wanted to back that up with – because, you know, some people give picks, and maybe you don't go through them all the time, but I wanted to make my case for Ben because, like I said, this is one of the hardest things I've happened to decide – and of course, as soon as I do that, no, go ahead and give me yours while I get this loaded. Honestly, crashed on me in the moment. Give me yours and your player of the year, and then I'll tell you mine after. Yeah, well, I did leave a team. I did leave a player off from Bradley. I didn't put anybody on the first team because um, a lot of people think it should be rink mass. Well, the just the stats just aren't there for me. Um, he was, I mean, rink was twelfth in scoring. Um, he was second in rebounding. So. I would have voted – my pick would have been Malevi Levons if I would have put a Bradley player on there because I think he's more valuable to that team than Rink. Um, but my my first team is Ben Shepard, Roman Penn, Tucker DeVries, Marcus Damask, and Ben Kirkie. Um, 
a lot of people are going to leave leave Ben Cricky off that first team, which I don't know how just because a guy's team's bad, led the league in scoring. Um, then my my player of the year, um, I went kind of best player in the valley valley here because I don't think I think like I said. I would I'd give more credit to Malevi than Rink, so I went with Tucker DeVries. I think um, probably neither of our picks will probably win it. I think they'll just end it up with too much. Uh, Got it goes to the best one of the best players on the best team, which I just think that's a whole lot of baloney. But um, I went with Tucker De, Tucker DeVries, which who was the preseason pick. Yeah, and he was – the whole thing about Cricky is he led the league in scoring, and no matter what, I mean, the fact that he put up the numbers that he did at the end of the season to show, it's honestly incredible. What he did, I think I think we very well could see him off of it because I think everyone else we agree on that's on there, and it does seem like, you know, I don't I – don't, like I said, I think the league will put rink mass on there. But it's the fact that if he deserves it or not. So I'm kind of leaning that way in regards, but if they two put, put two centers on there, then whether that matters in terms of liking, we talk about how well preseason it was six, you know, it feels like it's got to be, you know, that for the, for the end of the season, but it's not going to be, hopefully Ben is not left off. And I went with Ben Cricky doesn't lift up. I went with Ben Shepard because he is, he's third in scoring. He is eighth in field goal percentage. He is third in three point percentage. He's, he's on the, he's in the top 20 in rebounding. He is, he's in there for steals. He's in there for, um, like it just his his production and it, it kind of I mean that backs up when you're when you're that high on a lot of stats in the conference and his first year with the team he led them to the fourth seed has them as one of the biggest threats in the league I'll defend it no more than just that off of just kind of wanted to back some of these up but I'll go with Ben on that so Noah just because I ended talking I'll go ahead and jump to the second team I went with Roman Penn who had a case for the first first team depending upon how I guess how that Sunday game went he fell to second team for me Bowen Bourne. Boss McCauley, Indiana State, Donovan Clay, and Malibai. Uh, who do you got? Yeah, definitely think Voss McCauley has an argument for that first team as well, but um, which I can see them doing exactly what they did in preseason, end up with maybe six guys. So maybe that is rink mass and put on my first team. I thought about doing that, but I thought that was stupid in preseason, so I didn't do it here. Um, my second team was Bowen Bourne. Um, Voss McCauley, Malevi Leons, Lance Jones. Um, then I put, I put, I put Rob Perry. I think he had a really good year. Um, he probably falls to the third team for a lot of people, but that was my second team. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so many people on these teams you can't really argue against. And you're right, Voss had a case for first team, and. Even Lance, you know, Lance being player of the week at the end of the season might ha- have him a late push for it, but he did have a rush stretch. You mentioned he was shooting in the 20s in the whole February, so that kind of maybe hurt his case. Per saying how he was playing, even Donovan Clay has missed a couple. My third team, I did have Lance leading the way with that. I had, did have Rob Perry there. He led the, led the way for Murray all season long, one of the best scorers in the league. Jace Carter, who we saw in person, were definitely impressed by. He's, he's the full package from a physical standpoint. Everything he does, everything well. Great defender as well. Had him on here. We were kind of maybe whispering in the ear that he could find his way to Carbon on next year. We were kind of joking, but not really. Kobe King, he put up the offensive numbers to help just help the cause for Valpo with Cricky. And then no, I had Titan Anderson finishing out the third team. Uh, who do you got? And then jump in to who your newcomer is. Yeah, third team, I got Jace Carter, Titan Anderson, Cade Tyson, Kobe King, and Donovan Clay. Um that'd be a really good defensive small ball lineup if it was to be thrown out there um, in a game. Then my newcomer of the year, it was a tough one, but it's pretty simple. It's Voss McCauley. There's a lot of good newcomers, but Voss McCauley was by far the best, best newcomer to this league. Um, and I think he should be run away with this award. It'll probably be unanimous newcomer of newcomer team. I had, I was, I was deciding on guards. Darius Burford had a great case. Austin Mason had a great case. And I actually changed it today when I looked more at the stats. Trey Anderson, who put up points. We saw it in person. He kind of got shut down by Dalton in the second half. Uh, He's up there in turnovers, but he's up there in field goal percentage. He's up there in assists. I went with him for point guard. And then I had Rob on there with Vots, with Cade Tyson, and with Jonathan Mogbo. Noah, your team, 
uh, and then jump into your freshman of the year with your freshman team. Yeah, newcomer newcomer team. I had Austin Mason, Rob Perry, Voss McCauley. Kenny Strawbridge deserves a lot of credit for what he did for Evansville this year. Um, then I also have um, Jonathan Mogbo at center. And then freshman of the year, um, people try to argue it, but I think Kay Tyson um, is the guy that my freshman team – Jacoby Gillespie, also from Belmont. Jalen Jackson, got to see him in person. Really impressive for UIC. Michael Duox for UNI. Then Robbie Avila. Um, I think there is really no arguments for those five not to be on there. There's probably maybe a uh, a Campbell from UNI over. But I think Jalen Jackson and Gillespie, they just closed the season so strong. It's hard to go wrong. And those other three should be anonymous on there as well. Even redshirt freshman, we were thinking Connor Enright had a chance. Apparently he doesn't. I went with Jalen Jackson, too, over Trey Campbell with the same guys. And I had Cade doing it as well because he's tops in a lot of field goal percentage stats around the league. You really can't argue against it. Defensive, no. I went with Lance, Jace Carter, Donovan Clay, Malavai went in DPOY, and Jonathan Mogbo all do it at an elite, elite level, stealing blocks, everything. Malavai almost got the 50-50 season. What do you got with that? And then start with your most improved. Yeah, my all-defensive team uh, and defensive player of the year, Melovi Leons, runs away with that, sadly. Um, I don't know for a fact. I didn't see any tweets, but I know he was at 49 and 49 in steals and blocks, going to be the first Valley player ever at, to go 50 and 50. I guess he didn't get, get that because I think that would have been um, a major talking point um, yesterday. Uh, but defensive team, I also have Lance Jones, Jace Carter, Titan Anderson, um, Donovan Clay, and Malavai. Just left off Mogbo, even though he was a monster. Probably could put him over his team to make Donovan Clay, but I know what Don does for his team defensively. Yeah, the most improved, I went with, I agree with that. Most improved, Titan Anderson should run away with this one. It's hard to make this one, uh, but a lot of guys had had their production increase. Obviously, just with role, you you would expect it. I went with Connor Hickman. Bowen Bourne going from eight points to 18, even though he had to with A.J. Green leaving. Zeke Montgomery took a big step this year. Titan, of course, and then Malavai. Like I said, it's hard to pick. You could pick other guys that aren't of the caliber, but going from the production from one year to the next is incredible. Noah Hoosiers. Yeah, my pick was uh, a guy you didn't even mention. I took Jace Carter, UIC, jumping from eight points a game last year, and really, Yaklich talked about the day, he guarded four. So the the jump he took defensively as well, um, jumped from eight to 16.7 points a game this year. Really w- what he did for UIC, carrying the load a lot of the times. Um, then my most improved team was Bowen Bourne, Jace Carter, Titan Anderson, Malavai Leons, and Darnell Brody. Yeah, Brody, I had him on there initially as well. He had better production than he had previous years. He was awesome this year. All bench, Jacoby Gillespie, Landon Wolf, who puts up points some games, some games he doesn't. Chance Moore put up a lot of points in scoring for Missouri State. Quincy Anderson had a great four-game stretch in the teens this year to finish the season for them. I, I put him on here. And then Jay Sean. No, this seems like Jay Sean's award to lose. I, I I couldn't really decide with him and Chance, but I went with Jay Sean at the end. I think that's what's going to happen. Who do you think? And then tell me your coach of the year. Yeah, I went I went with Jay Sean as well. I think he just deserves it. Chance was really good. I thought Chance's teammate, um, Brian Trimble, was going to run away with it at the midseason point until he had personal issues and had to leave the team. But bench team, Gillespie, I went Jalen Jackson, UIC, Chance Moore. I went with Landon Wolf. He had a really good impact down the stretch for off the bench for you and I, then obviously Jay Sean. Then coach of the year, I think it should be anonymous. I went with Brian Wardle. Um, the only guy I could you could maybe argue is Casey Alexander, um, but really like what Brian Wardle did. I mean he, I mean you went over the off season, talked about it just a little bit. He lost Terry Roberts. You that was a huge blow to the team. But what's he just goes out? He goes to the portal and he just reloads. Um, just done a great job for Bradley's program getting there in 2015 and what he's turned it into. Yeah, and it seems like whoever won that game would have got it. I agree. I mean, if Darren's picked first preseason, you know, if he, if he gets second, maybe he would follow. But Casey's first year would definitely feel like it. You know, Josh Shirts, Brian, if that would finish out of top five, I'll go with Wardle as well because he won the league. Uh, but whoever won that game probably would have got it. 
And then you mentioned how he did it without Terry. I mean, Pop Weathers was suspected to be a lot this year, has barely played. Duke Dean was great. And Hickman, of course, at the guards position. And it was funny making like some of these other teams, you know, most underwhelming. I did have Pop leading that way. It was kind of just a fluky thing. I won't even mention the most of it because some of them guys turn it on at the end. Uh, most villain was fun to make uh, and my, just to come up with some more things. Roman Penn, Voss McCauley, Landon Wolf liked to talk. We saw everything with Voss and then DJ Burns at our home place saw it and then Cam Henry and all and our most villain team. I feel like that's the appropriate five. So those are our teams. Hopefully we're right. Hopefully we're correct. We'll find out on Friday, on Wednesday uh, for this weekend. It was a fun for us this weekend being in Chicago. Uh, fun experience. Sitting courtside, it gives you that enhanced look at everything. It was awesome. Finish the season 22-9, and 14-6 and six in conference. Getting the three seed. We'll talk about all the potential matchups. Our picks overall with the official you know awards are that day with our full usual Arch Madness preview. Uh, everybody look out for that, and we we might try to have or we will try to do a another on-location at Arch Madness uh, before and after games. If we lose, it'll be tough. Might push it off. If we win, we'll try to have one late Friday night into the weekend. Should be fun. We'll talk about it all more on Fridays or Wednesday, excuse me. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Until then, as always, go dogs.